0: The pro-abortion movement sent its best and brightest to Capitol Hill yesterday to defend the practice at its most imperiled moment. And it turns out that the pro-abortion best and brightest are not particularly bright.
1: So abortion should be allowed then by your definition for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right? I trust people to make decisions about their body. And then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical practitioners okay and not if it is listen let me just ask you this question if it is not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10 year old child i assume you agree with that right that would be wrong correct i believe that okay and a two-year-old child same thing that would be murder we would all agree that's wrong then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is two years old or nine months old or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches further up the birth canal in the uterus. What, what's the difference? Why is it okay in the latter case and not the former cases? I trust people to determine what to do with their own bodies. Wow. Full stop.
0: Full stop. I, uh, er, uh, mm, uh, trust bodies. Full stop. That woman's name is Amy Arambide. She is a professional abortion activist. That woman has a degree in philosophy from the University of Texas. She graduated from law school. She has worked her entire career in the abortion industry, specifically in public affairs, defending abortion. And when she is confronted with even the most basic objection to abortion, the best defense she can muster is, dum, uh, humana, humana, humana. I trust people to use their bodies, beep, boop, beep, boop. So, Embarrassing, and it's not even her fault. It's not even her fault. This chickie is probably among the best and brightest in the abortion industry. The problem is not her lack of polish. The problem is that she is being asked to defend the indefensible. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Tragic Mobile Mind Games who is uh, quoting Joe Biden apparently here saying, my family's very religious. I'm a devout Catholic and my son is a crystal Methodist. That's not nice. That is not nice. It's very funny, but that is not nice. Okay. His son's had a lot of problems, drug problems, lady problems, hard drive pro- technology problems. When you want to invest in some technology, I would strongly recommend you check out Alto IRA. Right now, go to altoira.com slash Michael. You know, when there are fluctuations in the market, when things go down a little bit, that can frequently be the time to buy. They call it buying the dip. Do you own any Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, or other cryptocurrency? Well, with an Alto Crypto IRA, You can trade crypto like Bitcoin and avoid or defer the taxes. This is the key. A lot of people are interested in getting into crypto and to start investing in crypto, but don't do it in a way where you're going to get punished on the tax end. Do it in a tax advantaged retirement account. Altos Crypto IRA is the easy way to get crypto into an IRA. You trade all you want without that tax headache. You create an account in as little as a few minutes. You can start with as little as 10 bucks, and there's no setup charges. You get secure trading 24/7 through Alto's integration with Coinbase. They've got industry leading security, the advanced encryption standard for wallets and private keys. Multiple ways to fund your account, cash contribution, a rollover 401k, pretty much anything you want. Open an Alto crypto IRA account with as little as 10 bucks today, altoira.com slash Michael. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash M-I-C-H-A-E-L. Start investing in crypto today, altoira.com slash Michael. This was so hilariously pathetic yesterday on Capitol Hill. It, w- it was sad that there are people who have devoted their entire lives to defending infanticide. That, that is sad. But it was really funny that at the, at the moment where it all matters, at the moment where Roe v. Wade could be overruled, the abortion industry, they've got to get it all together and, and take their absolute best shot to defend abortion. They've got absolutely nothing. It wasn't just that lady, Amy Arambide. There was another woman, an actual abortionist. Her name is Yeshika Robinson, She was asked, also by this hero congressman, Mike Johnson, did an absolutely incredible job. Really, really excellent stuff grilling these people. She was asked, when does a baby become human? Here's her answer.
1: You're not going to answer this question, but how about this one? How does one qualify as fully human? What makes a human being? What makes a person a human being is them being born, number one. That's why we have birthdays.
0: What makes a human, this is, the, this is the highest level of philosophical sophistication from the abortion movement. What makes a human being a human is when they're born. That's why we have birthdays. That's why we have birthday. Is it now? I thought we had birthdays to commemorate the day when you are born, to commemorate your birth. Birthdays are not called becoming human days. The, t- the two have nothing to do with one another. And by the way, birthdays can be fungible. People can induce labor. Sometimes people go into labor a little bit earlier. They can delay when they give birth to some degree. Maybe you were supposed to be born on the 15th, but they actually induce your delivery on the 13th. Or maybe it takes a little bit longer and it's on the 16th. You're telling me that the ontological change, when you become human, is determined by when you pass through eight inches of, of a lady's body, or not even, what, what, if, what if you're not born naturally? What if, you, what if you're born through cesarean, or what if you're delivered through a cesarean section? Does that change things? Do you, do, does the, the magical thing that happens when you are pushed out of the woman, do, when you're pushed out of your mother, does that, does that magical thing happen when you're cut out of the woman's abdomen by a doctor? Of course not. This is insane thinking. When do you become, I, I made this point on the show the other day, but I think it's important to reiterate. Very often, the pro-abortion movement will try to say, well, look, we don't, obviously, when a baby is born, that's a human being entitled to all the rights of human beings. Uh, But when a baby is still in the womb, they don't have all those rights for some reasons. And they'll, they'll try to come to some arbitrary line at which you become a human. Well, when you've got all your fingers, when you've got all your toes, when you develop your eyeballs, when your heart is more recognizably beating, that's when you become a human that doesn't make very much sense to me. One, because some people are born without their fingers. Some people are born without their toes. Some people are born without those distinguishing features. Some people lose it along the way in their lives if they have an injury. Are you telling me they lose their humanity there? No, of course not. The difference between having partially formed fingers and fully formed fingers is is a much more trivial distinction than the difference between being alive and not being alive. We know, even the abortion movement will admit, When a baby is conceived, that baby is alive, has all the characteristics of life. And that baby is a human, a distinct human, not a dog, not a cat, not a giraffe, a human being, not a tadpole. Even if it looks a little bit like a tadpole, it's a human being. Don't you think that the distinction between human and not human, the distinction between alive and not alive is more significant than the distinction between uh, his fingers are a little bit bigger now? And not, don't you think it's more important than the distinction she's making between your eight inches up the birth canal to your eight inches out of the birth canal? No, what she, she's, she is just completely avoiding the question. And she what she is really saying is, I'm not going to answer your question about the baby. I'm not going to answer your question about human life. I'm just going to make the claim that it is fine to kill a baby when he's eight inches up the birth canal compared to when he's further down the birth canal doesn't really work. This is why the pro-abortion movement now is doing everything they can to avoid talking about abortion itself. That's why they're saying that the Dobbs case, which could overrule Roe v. Wade, it's not really about abortion. It's about contraception. It's about uh, the Obergefell redefinition of marriage. It's about interracial marriage. Oh yes, if you, if we get rid of Roe v.ersus Wade, they're coming for your interracial marriage. What are you talking about? Find, find me one conservative in the country who has said that. You can't. They're, all they're trying to do is distract. And now what they've settled on, especially in, in the light of the Buffalo shooting, now that they're exploiting a mass killing up in Buffalo a few days ago, they're saying that really the pro-life movement, it's all about white supremacy. This might be the most ridiculous argument of all. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick. Which is more poisonous, cyanide or arsenic? You know, Which is more ridiculous, the arguments about life or the arguments about white supremacy? But this is what they're saying. There was a prominent Twitter account, Uh, goes by El Norte Recuerda. Uh, I don't know what her real name is. Uh, She has a PhD. She's a published author. She's got a big old platform. She's got a blue check mark. And yesterday she posted onto social media. She said, the majority of people who get abortions are white. Overturning Roe v. Wade neutralizes two major threats to capitalist white supremacy, the declining birth rate and the shrinking white minority, criminalize abortion ensure a future majority white working class. Okay. She posted a little infographic here to back up her claims. The infographic disproves her claims. <laughs> she says the majority of abortions are, are of white people. The, the infographic she posts says race of abortions, 39% white. So right off the top, this woman doesn't even know what a majority is. <laughs> majority is 50% plus one. a plurality of abortions are of white people. Fair enough. And she says, so if we get rid of abortion, you're disproportionately going to have more white people in the population. So let's look at, let's just look at those statistics. She says, according to her graph, 39% of abortion patients are white, 28% black, 25% Hispanic, 6% Asian Pacific Islander, 3% other. Okay. So the plurality of abortion patients are white, 39% but 62% of the country is white. 28% of abortion patients are black. Only about 13% of the country is black. 25% of Hispanic patients, of of abortion patients are Hispanic. Something like 18% of the country is Hispanic. Meaning abortion disproportionately kills Hispanic and especially black babies. White babies are relatively underrepresented in abortion. If you overrule Roe v. Wade, and then if you go further to criminalize abortion, the effect will not be disproportionately more white babies. It will be disproportionately more Hispanic and especially disproportionately more black babies. The infographic she's posting, the statistics that the pro-abortion movement is using proves the opposite of the point that she thinks she's making. This is the best and brightest they've got, folks. If you were on the fence about abortion, I think you can fall off the fence now. I think it's pretty clear which side has all of the arguments and all of the truth, and it's all coming to light. And it makes me feel really good, almost as good as my ex-chair. Right now, go to xchairknolls.com, and then you can just feel as good as I do, all right? Because most of us, I think most of us probably spend more time every day in our office chair than we do in our cars or we do in our beds, which is why it's so important to invest in the right chair to spend those hours with the right level of support and comfort to get the most productivity out of your day. You're gonna be spending a lot of time in it. Make the investment. Make sure that you're feeling good. You're not screwing up your spine and your bones and your old skeleton. X Chair has made our time at the office here so much better. My only complaint about X Chair is that the moment it was delivered at the office, all these jackals at the Daily Wire tried to steal my X Chair. Don't let that happen to you. X Chair has got all the top technology, patented dynamic variable lumbar DVL offers the ultimate customized support, and the X-Chair can give you a massage. It can heat you up or cool you down. It does everything, okay? Thanks to their new armrests, you are going to be feeling like you are in the perfect position all day long. Go to xchairnoles.com. That is the letter X-Chair-Noles, dot com or call 1-844-4-X-Chair. That's number 4, X-Chair, for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, You can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month, xchairknolls.com. What this is coming down to, especially in the light of the, uh, the midterm elections, especially in the light of the Democrats looking for anything to try to gin up their base, they're losing on the economy, they're losing on immigration, they're losing on foreign policy, they're losing on inflation, gas, food, go down the list the Democrats are underwater. So now they are going back to their most basic strategy. They're trying to gin up racial resentment. And this has worked for them for a long time. And they're tying it into this abortion issue. There's a woman, uh, Joe Lewiman, never, never heard of her before, but she's apparently got a podcast and a fairly big platform. Yesterday, she said, quote, I would rather get an abortion then have a brown child who ends up being adopted by white evangelicals. It is not a kindness to children of the global majority. Global, what does that mean? Oh, she just means not white people. She said, now they obviously, that includes uh, black people, Hispanic people, Asian people, all sorts of people. Uh, and and even within that, to say Asian, right? You're talking about what, a quarter of the world's population or more. But So we're talking about what? Japanese, Chinese, Indian, does that? All of these people—they're just. She's just saying when she says global majority, she just means everyone but white people. Don't like. It is not a kindness to children of the global majority to give them to people who will traumatize them with self and ancestral hatred. And abortion is an act of love. Imagine hating white people so much, so much, that you want to kill your children just to spite white people. That's what we're talking about here. Obviously, it goes without saying, if you said this about any other race, you would not only be deplatformed, you would be socially ostracized. If your employer found out, you would lose your job. If your school found out, you would be expelled. You might be prosecuted. I, it, we still have pretty strong speech protections in this country. They might find a way to prosecute you. If you said, I would rather my child die than be raised by a black person. I would, Or uh, bring in the... the religious aspect here, I'd rather my child die than be raised by a Muslim or something. You you would be totally booted out of society. And yet we are told that it is white people and Christian people who have all of the privilege. Of course, that's not the case. The only only groups that you're allowed to discriminate against legally are white people in race, men in sex, and straight people, I guess, if you talk about sexual desire, and Christianity bears a fair brunt of it in the public square. It's it's totally the opposite of what people are saying. And I suspect they actually don't see it. I suspect that their hatred has just driven them crazy. Anger and hatred and wrath can drive you crazy. Obviously crazy. This woman is saying I'd rather kill my kids than have my kids raised in a loving home by this race that I hate. White people. By this religious group that I hate. Christians. Is it any wonder right now that the Department of Homeland Security is preparing for violence in the wake of the Supreme Court decision? That's what we we have this now. From Axios has just gotten a memo from the Department of Homeland Security. They're preparing for violence following the abortion ruling. Yeah, you don't say. You don't. You don't say. You're, the group that the left came out. there is was a, one leftist group in particular, Ruth Sentis, that said that. Angry mobs need to go to the justices' homes and force them to change their minds and use a diversity of tactics. Peaceful protest is one tactic, but we need a diversity of tactics. And then the mobs do go to the homes and scream and yell outside of the homes where the justices' little children sleep. And Sam Alito's got to go into hiding with his family to an undisclosed location. And now the DHS says, you know, we might get some violence when this decision comes out. Oh, and by the way, the White House won't condemn the angry mobs outside the justices' homes. The White House says, we don't have an official position on where people protest. And actually, at one point, the president's spokesman, Jen Psaki, came out and said, well, I I actually sort of encourage people to to be outside of the homes. It was unclear exactly. Her wording was enough that it gave her some wiggle room as to what exactly she was saying, but that's what she seemed to imply. Oh, yeah, we might have some violence after the decision, you don't say. And so here's the big picture, according to Axios. Law enforcement agencies are investigating social media threats to burn down or storm the Supreme Court building and murder justices and their clerks, as well as attacks targeting places of worship and abortion clinics. And abortion clinics? What? Hold on. So the the ruling that comes out is that we're not going to have as much abortion in the country. And all of the threats that we've seen have been against the pro-lifers by the pro-abortion people. And then in this news report from Axios, they're saying, and and they're they're worried about about threats against abortion clinics, too. Why? Why would there be threats against abortion clinics? They go on. They say, here's the context. The context around this memo. Abortion-related violence historically has been driven by anti-abortion extremists. Okay, got to pause it right there. Statistically, 100% of abortion-related violence has been committed by abortionists because abortion kills little babies. And since Roe versus Wade, it's killed about 62 million babies nationwide. And it is true, there have been a handful of attacks by pro-life advocates on abortion clinics and against abortionists. There have been a very small number of those. And, you know, that's bad. We don't, we don't want vigilante violence in America. I don't know. I'm going to pick a number at random. This will not be the precise number. Let's say it's been a dozen attacks. Let's say say it's more. Let's say it's been 100 attacks, which it hasn't been. 62 million murders of babies, a handful of attacks on abortion clinics. That does not mean that historically the majority of abortion-related violence has been from the pro-lifers. Statistically, 0% of abortion-related violence has been from pro-lifers. And right now, all of the violence is coming from the pro-abortion side they're outside the justices' homes. Well, no, it's kind of both sides and it's really more those pro-lifers. Some racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists embrace of pro-life narratives may be linked to the perception of wanting to save white children or fight white genocide, the memo says also. Again, so it's not just some kooky lady on Twitter who's trying to tie the pro-life movement into white supremacists or something. It's the Department of Homeland Security, and it's Axios. It's a major establishment media platform. But as we've shown you, the statistics show the opposite. If, if a white supremacist wanted to uh, grow the white percentage of the population and deplete the black and other minority percentage of the population, that white supremacist would be on the pro-abortion side. Because abortion does that, not pro-life. The, the effect of overruling Roe and having, having protections for life in America will be the growing of black and brown communities and proportionally the shrinking of white communities. It's totally the opposite. These guys are so dishonest, but they're so desperate to defend infanticide that they will grab at anything they can. And they know that the worst thing you can be called in modern America is a racist. That's just the way our culture works now. It's It's the most evil, horrible, worst thing you can possibly be called is a racist. And so they're trying to do that in official government documents. And now they're saying, okay, this time maybe some extremist acts could come from abortion rights proponents as well. There's no right to an abortion. There's no, this is the last desperate gasp of the children of Moloch trying to defend their ridiculous, hideous, heinous sacrifice. And they send their best people, their top, smartest, most genius, powerful people to go defend it. And it falls flat because there's no defense of it whatsoever. None whatsoever. Do you want to talk about exploiting a tragedy? Joe Biden, flew to Buffalo. He gave one of the worst presidential speeches I've ever seen. Uh, the saving grace of it is that Joe Biden is extremely old and feeble, and so he couldn't speak for very long. I think the whole thing was about 15 minutes. Uh, he went to to ostensibly to comfort the victims of Buffalo, but that's not really why he went. He didn't go to comfort the victims of a terror attack. He doesn't care about them. He doesn't care about the terror attack. He he If he cared about that, he would have gone to Waukesha, when a guy drove his, for political purposes, drove his car into a crowd of, when a black racist drove his car into a crowd of white people at an early Christmas parade, for political reasons, with all sorts of manifestos and political statements that he'd posted online. But Joe Biden didn't want to talk about that because that undercut his political narrative. And he said, we don't have enough presidential assets to, to go and visit. But then the minute that the Buffalo shooting happens, they looked and checked all of the boxes to defend their political narrative. And so he flies up there ASAP. And the point of his speech was not to comfort anybody. It was not to bring America together. It was not to have a kumbaya moment. The point of the speech was to smear conservatives as white supremacists to implicitly attack Republican politicians, to attack Republican talk show hosts. They've now focused a lot of their efforts on going after Tucker Carlson. Really, they're talking about all of us, though. And to say that if you, in any way, do not go along with the left-wing orthodoxy, that you are responsible for a massacre that happened up in, up in Buffalo. He was calling to censor the internet up there, to censor conservatives on the internet, and comparing it to half of the country that voted for Donald Trump. Now, before we get to those clips, I have got to tell you about something I'm so excited about on the show. That is that I will finally get to hear from you, not just with your writing, but in your own voice. That is because of Pure Talk. Pure Talk is giving us the voice mailbag. We will be hearing the voicemail bag tomorrow. We debuted it last week. How do you do it? You go, you record your voicemail on your phone, then you, or your computer or wherever, then you go to the Daily Wire website, you click on the shows, you click on the Michael Knowles show, click on the mailbag, and then in that little email section for the mailbag, you just drop in your MP3 file, your little audio file, and then we'll play it on the show. And it's going to be wonderful. I'll hear from you tomorrow. Also, you know, Jonathan Isaac was the only NBA player who stood for the national anthem when every other player was kneeling down during the lead-wide demonstrations in support of BLM. He's hosting a live book signing for his book, Why I Stand, at 7 p.m. Eastern on Premier Collectibles' YouTube channel. If you want to get your signed copy and a chance to ask Jonathan a question, go to premiercollectibles.com slash Isaac. Then at 8 p.m. Eastern, Uh, Ben's third Thursday book club will be uh, premiering again. Uh, He's reading Moby Dick by Herman Melville. Third Thursday book club is not like any other club you have ever seen. Check out the trailer. I wanna tell you about my third Thursday book club. This is not your average book club. These are the greatest books in the history of Western literature. We're gonna dive into the greatest works of all time. These are the books that helped form the key pillars of Western civilization and helped define America. And we're gonna do it live with thousands of you, our Daily Wire members. I'm gonna be your personal guide. I've read every one of these books. I'm gonna draw out the important lessons and themes from every book. Plus, I'm gonna be answering your questions along the way. So we actually do read the book together. You join the book club, you are going to get smarter. You're going to get more knowledgeable because this is an investment in your most valuable asset, your mind. The third Thursday book club, it's gonna change the way you think. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe where new members can use code Shapiro for 20% off. Then tune in tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern for Ben's third Thursday book club. We'll be right back with a lot more. Joe Biden flies up to Buffalo. Instead of bringing the country together, he tries to rip the country apart. His first suggestion on how to move forward together, well, we need to censor conservatives on the internet. You can't
1: prevent people from being radicalized to violence, but we can address the relentless
0: exploitation of the internet to recruit and mobilize terrorism. We just need to have the courage to do that, to stand up. What does Joe Biden mean by this? We can prevent the exploitation of the internet to recruit and mobilize violent terrorism. What is he talking about? Is he talking about using the government to prosecute direct threats online? No, we already have laws against that. We already do that. Is he talking about uh, going in and uh, using the internet to track Al-Qaeda? No, we already do that. He's talking about something that he has been pushing for a long time, namely, more censorship on the internet. Joe Biden, when he says terrorists, he's not just talking about mass shooters. When he says terrorists, he's not talking about Al-Qaeda. When he says terrorists, he's talking about you. He says, when he talks about racists and white supremacists and white nationalists, he's not talking about some fringe group. He's not talking about the Ku Klux Klan. He's not talking about killers. He's talking about you. He has said, remember during that presidential debate, he said, Trump, you're a racist. You're a racist. He's insinuating that half of the country that voted for Donald Trump at least half of the country, perhaps, that voted for Donald Trump, they're they're the same as the shooter in Buffalo. That's what you if you if you don't support me, it's even worse than when during the campaign Biden said, if you don't support me, you ain't black. What he's saying is if you don't support me, you're the guy in Buffalo. If you don't support me, you shut up a supermarket. If you don't support me, you're a terrorist. We can you we can go in and stop people from exploiting the internet by sharing their views. We know that Biden's doing this. That's why he set up the Disinformation Governance Board. There's actually news on that, which we'll get to in just a second. This is why he's adding new layers of censorship, or trying to, every day, to shut you up. How do I know? What's my proof of this? Am I reading too deeply into it? No, he makes a direct comparison between the shooter in Buffalo and the people who protested at the Capitol on January 6th, These actions we've seen in these hate-filled attacks represent the views of a hate-filled minority.
1: We can't allow them to distort America, the real America. We can't allow them to destroy the soul of the nation. As President of the United States, I travel the world all the time. And other nations ask me, heads of state in other countries, ask me, what's going on? What in God's name happened on January 6th? What happened in
0: Buffalo? What happened? they ask. Excuse me? It's what happened? You know, it's like what happened uh, in Buffalo? What happened in the Oklahoma City bombing? What happened at Pearl Harbor? What happened when the Horn Hat guy danced around the Capitol Rotunda? What happened at uh, Nagasaki? What? Hold on. What did you say? No, I said what happened at Harbor. No, 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 after that. Oh, I said, what happened at no No, are you're you comparing uh, some Midwestern dads cracking a Coors Light in the Capitol rotunda to a mass shooting that left 10 people dead? Do you have no shame at all? No, he doesn't. Joe Biden doesn't have any shame. He's never had an ounce of shame. The guy lies like he breathes. The guy is so dishonest. That has been his defining characteristic in public life since at least the 1988 presidential election when he had to drop out for lying and for plagiarism and for making up his academic record. The guy lies like he breathes. He is so shameless. Then he runs for president in 2008. He loses. He becomes the vice president. In 2012, what's he say? He says, Mitt Romney wants to put all you black people back in chains. He does it effortlessly. He lies. And now he comes up. He says, oh, yeah, man, I'm meeting the world leaders. And they're always just like, man, what's going on with all your mass shootings that leave so many people dead? And, and, and with the horn hat guy. No, they're not asking you that. They're not. You are just a cynical old political hack who is dancing on the graves of the dead people in Buffalo to score a cheap political point at Donald Trump and his supporters. So so disgusting. But at least he's at least he's laying out his agenda for you. He's saying it directly, right? He's saying if you protested the 2020 election, didn't kill anybody didn't attack anybody. You just kind of showed up to the Capitol and made a mess of things. You are a mass killer and we're coming for you. And we're coming for you. And they are, they've they've arrested so many of those people, put them in solitary confinement. When people throw Molotov cocktails at buildings for eight months with BLM, they get off the hook. Then the vice president raises money to bail them out of jail. But if you show up and crack a Coors Light at the Capitol, when the police let you in, in some cases, then you're a violent terrorist. You have to be put in solitary confinement. And anyone who who says otherwise, you you need to be kicked off of the internet. It's not just Biden. It's not even just CNN and NBC. The former Fox News chief, uh, political correspondent, Carl Cameron, has since left Fox News. Now he's showing up on the liberal news channels. He showed up yesterday on MSNBC to call uh, for the jailing of conservatives who spread what he terms misinformation. It really is kind of horrible to think that uh, journalists with national and international capacity are putting together this type of nonsense. I think the president did a great job. I wish he had done a lot of this a lot sooner, and we need a lot more from uh, the left and the middle. And uh, we got to watch out, because the Republicans have become the purveyors of misinformation. And when our our two-party system is broken like that, Democracy is seriously in trouble. The president acknowledged that it's time to actually start doing things and maybe taking some names and putting people in jail. And maybe taking some names and maybe putting people in jail. First, to his claim that the Republicans have become the party of misinformation. This is a man, at, at, at a moment where the Democrats are claiming that babies are not babies and boys are actually girls, and Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, and on and on. Oh, and the COVID had nothing to do with the Chinese laboratories, and the vaccines are totally safe and effective and will prevent you from contracting the virus or transmitting the virus, and that we're only going to shut down for two weeks to slow the spread, and on and on and on. We could be here all day when the Democrats have spread lie after lie after lie after lie. He says it's the Republicans who are spreading misinformation. Because of what? Because of what? I don't even know what he's referring to here. Tell me the misinformation. What is? Can can you think of it? Let me know in the comments section. I'm not. I'm not defending the Republican Party. I'm not saying it's totally pristine. But is there some major claim that the Republicans have made in recent years that is obvious misinformation? I can't think of one. I can think of a dozen claims that the Democrats are making off the top of my head that are obviously false. I can't think of one. I'm not even talking about well I prefer this policy, you prefer that policy. I'm just t- substantive factual claims. I can't think of one. And he says not only are the Republicans making it, we need to put the Republicans in jail who do. Remember, do you remember when Donald Trump would make fun of journalists? What we heard was, this is an assault on free speech and freedom of the press. This man, he's a dictator, he's a totalitarian. Now you've got Carl Cameron, former Fox News chief political correspondent, now on NBC, actually calling for jailing journalists if they're on the right. Because I guarantee you, he would say that most of what I I say on this show constitutes misinformation. I imagine, right, Joe Biden would say that most of what I say on this show constitutes misinformation because I'm giving you information. And according to Joe Biden, true information is misinformation, and up and down is war and peace and and freedom is slavery. So they would call this misinformation, and they would try to jail me. And they would try to jail people on writing for conservative outlets and jail people at conservative television news stations. They are—they always do what they say that we are doing. They are always projecting. And I shouldn't be surprised by it anymore because they've been doing it for so long. But their accusations are always confessions. That's just how it goes. We've got some good news on this front, thankfully. The Ministry of Truth, the disinformation government board that Joe Biden set up to punish domestic political opponents. It's not to punish foreigners like he pretended it was. We already have an office at the State Department focused on foreign affairs that does that. Joe Biden was setting one up at the Department of Homeland Security to punish domestic political opponents of his. Well, now that's been put on pause. It has been put on pause three weeks after its announcement, largely because we in the conservative media wouldn't shut up about it. And so the public did become aware of it and they got a lot of bad press at the White House for this. So the disinformation government's board is being paused. Uh, intra-departmental DHS working groups focused on disinformation have been suspended. And the chickie who was going to lead the disinformation group, Nina Jankowitz, has resigned. One of the ironies of this gal running the disinformation group is that she peddled disinformation about Russia, about Russian collusion. She peddled disinformation about some of the biggest issues that we've talked about for the last five years. And yet she was supposed to be in charge of disinformation. So uh, she resigned and this poor, beleaguered, underprepared, underskilled White House press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, was asked about it by Peter Ducey, and she said, well, the, the reason you see why the board had to be paused for right now is because of disinformation. So if it's pausing because you think the board was mischaracterized, then the disinformation board is being shut down because of disinformation. Is that what's happening here?
1: Look, I mean, the the board was put forth for a purpose, right? To make sure that we really did a t- a, uh, really did address what was happening across the country when it came to disinformation. And it's, okay it's all, to wait now, but, but it's, days it's just going it's it's going to pause. There's been a mischaracterizations from outside uh, outside forces, and so now what we're going to do is going to we're going to pause it and we're going to do an assessment. But the work, does, the work doesn't stop. We're still going to continue the work. The DHS is still going to continue the work.
0: Okay. There is the money line. I think conservatives are celebrating a little too soon here. It's not that the board is totally going away. They might get rid of this chick Nina Jankowicz because she was just such a lightning rod, but they'll just replace her with some more faceless bureaucrat. She says it's a pause. The work will go on. What's the work? The work is censoring you. The work is looking at you. The work is trying to shut you up in the public square. I just love the way Peter Ducey frames this question. Can we go, let's go back and play it again. Because there, when he says it, when he drops the line, you can see the reporter sitting next to him. I think he works for uh, CBS. For, I forget his name. Some people say that he and I resemble one another. He, he almost bursts out laughing. Take a listen. So if it's pausing because you think the board was mischaracterized, then so the disinformation the board is to Peter being shut down because of disinformation? Is that? And there it is. There? Look, He's just he trying to like bite his was... tongue. He says, <laughs> that's Peter. That's a very good line. So the reason that the board had to be shut down is because of disinformation. If the disinformation board can't counter disinformation about the disinformation board, it doesn't sound like the disinformation board is doing a damn thing, huh? Is it? About disinformation. It is doing a lot or it could do a lot to censor conservatives, which is what it was about all the time. Speaking of disinformation on the internet, there's a report out now. This is an audit of Joe Biden's official POTUS Twitter account that found that a much higher percentage of his followers are fake than previously was assumed. When Elon Musk went in to buy Twitter, Twitter said that 5% or fewer of the accounts on Twitter are fake. And so Elon said, okay, well, I'll offer $44 billion or thereabouts to buy Twitter. And then Elon pulls a fast one. He says, wait a second, can you prove to me that fewer than 5% of the accounts are fake? And the CEO of Twitter, Parag Agrawal, says, uh, well, uh, no, I wish I could, but I can't. I'm not able to show my work. And Elon says, BS, that's not true. I bet the number's much higher. And so some analyses have shown that it's about 20%. You look at the, the POTUS account, it's 50% almost. This is according to uh, Newsweek. And to conduct the audit, Newsweek used a follower audit tool called Fake Followers, which was created by the data analytics firm SparkToro. And it just looks at lots of different characteristics of accounts. And not not one of these characteristics is firm proof that an account is fake. But when you add them all together, you get an overwhelming likelihood that an account is fake. This is, well, one, it just drives home this point that we've heard about Joe Biden from the beginning, popular president in the history of the world. He got 70 bazillion votes. And uh, I don't know, I'm kind of curious about, a little skeptical of some of those alleged supporters of Joe Biden. But but second of all, this constitutes a massive fraud by Twitter on the investors. Twitter investors are putting their money into Twitter because they believe that the platform has a certain number of people on it, has a certain amount of use that advertisers could reach a certain number of people. If it turns out that it's not 5% of the users who are fake, but it's 20% 20% or more? 50, could it be 50%? I don't know. Looks like it is on Biden's Twitter account. That's a massive fraud. And it, it, at a political level, it reminds you how absolutely manipulated our public square has become, which means that's how absolutely manipulated by a handful of oligarchs our whole political order has become. Because in a, in a self-government, the way you govern yourself is by speaking and communicating with one another. But number two, it shows you that the company is just totally rotten. So Elon Musk could end up buying Twitter and freeing up a little bit of space for conservatives to speak. That would be nice. Or he could just burn the whole thing to the ground because the whole thing might be built on sand. The whole thing might be a major fraud. The people who are accusing us Us crazy conspiracy theorists who think that babies are babies and boys aren't girls, us crazy wacko fringe extremist misinformers, those people who are accusing us of misinformation are themselves guilty of perpetrating and spreading and propagating the most misinformation in our country. Sheila Jackson Lee, Democrat congressman, she has COVID. Hope she gets well soon. I trust that she will. Sheila Jackson Lee is not an anti-vaxxer she is not one of the people who disregarded the public health geniuses. She actually followed them and she got four COVID shots. I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I, don't, I shouldn't laugh. Sheila Jackson Lee got four COVID shots and then got COVID. It's not, I shouldn't laugh because I would expect nothing less. She, she tweets out this statement. Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee tested positive for COVID. She is fully vaccinated and res, has received her boosters. She encourages everyone to get tested and fully vaccinated. Along with their booster shots, she looks forward to a full and complete recovery. In other words, let me translate that because I know that sounds a little confusing. It is a little confusing the way she said it. She said, this is the statement. Politician does a thing that does not work. She encourages all of you to do that same thing. <laughs> and then, and you know what they'll do? Here come the misinformer, fact checkers who are going to try to shut down this show now. They're going to say, no, Michael, the, the vaccines did work because it would have been so much worse if she, if she hadn't had them. Oh, yeah? Uh, prove it to me. <laughs> well, they can't, they can't prove it, of course. Well, maybe if she'd gotten the fifth shot, then maybe she wouldn't have gotten COVID. But that's even beside the point. I'm not even making an argument about whether or not the vaccines reduce your risk of hospitalization or whatever. We were told that the vaccines would prevent you from contracting the virus and spreading the virus that's what we were told. We were first of all we were told that the vaccines worked and were safe, very effective. Now people are on their fourth and fifth shot. So I'm a little curious about the efficacy. And actually they've suspended some of the vaccines at different times and are phasing out the Johnson and Johnson because it's not exactly safe. But okay, never mind putting that to the side for a second here. We were told by Biden and Walensky and Fauci that the vaccine would do what vaccines are supposed to do, namely prevent you from contracting the virus and spreading the virus. We were they said that explicitly. And then the vaccines didn't do that. So sure, maybe the vaccines do all sorts of other great stuff, maybe or maybe not. But they failed to do, they don't work at doing the thing that all the people who sold us the vaccines told us they would do. And you still have these misinformers like, well, like all of those people, Biden and Walensky and Fauci and Sheila Jackson Lee and the entire media establishment telling you, no, you, you've got to get number five, get number six. We never said that. That thing that you have us on video saying, we never said that. These are not the droids you're looking for. Thank goodness that we have misinformation specialists. Thank goodness we have experts, don't you think? But Barry McCaffrey is a retired four-star general. Uh, Barry McCaffrey uh, has been giving his commentary on the war in Ukraine. Barry McCra- McCaffrey just tweeted out a video, ostensibly, of the, the war in Ukraine. It says, Russian aircraft getting nailed by Ukraine missile defense Russians are losing large m- numbers of attack aircraft. Ukraine air defense is becoming formidable. The video that he posted there, I don't know, what do I, I don't know very much about it. It didn't, didn't look totally real to me, but I'm no expert. I don't, what do I know about air defense systems? It's from a video game. The, the retired four-star general expert posted a clip from a video game and gave his commentary on how the video game was proof that Ukraine is going to defeat Russia in the war. These are the experts. These are the experts. I don't, I don't want to sound anti-intellectual. I don't think that I am anti-intellectual. I don't, I, I don't even want to sound anti-education or anti-scholarship or anti. Our experts are complete idiots. The problem is with the experts themselves, the, the people who go to Capitol Hill the people who go to Capitol Hill and say, we're the expert geniuses on abortion. They can barely form an English sentence. Okay, these people, they're not, they're not, they, I was going to say they're not sending their best. They are sending their best and their best are incompetent. Dr. Fauci, he's probably the best that the public health establishment's going to send you. And he's a liar and an incompetent and a fraud and a deceiver. And he's been deceiving us for years. That's why we don't trust them. It's not our problem that we don't trust these people. It's their problem. They're the ones who have squandered the credibility. That's why we don't trust them. If we had experts, elites, rulers who were public-minded and serious and well-educated, and when I say well-educated, I don't just mean book smarts. I mean in their behavior, in their comportment, in in their whole person. If they were dignified and virtuous, I'd be all for following them. I'd be all for listening to their advice, but they're not. They're really, really decayed. We ain't talking about George Washington here, folks. We're talking about crooks and cheaters and idiots who are running our country. That's why we don't trust them. And they're going to blame us for that. And they're going to call us all sorts of names, deplorable and irredeemable and stupid and racist and this-ist and that-ist and phobic. And they are doing that to deflect away from their own failures and their own shallowness and the traits about themselves that are, in fact, the reason why we don't trust them. Before we go, speaking of war, I, I do have to get to one clip. It's really sad, but I, it, you kind of almost have some affection for the guy. Uh, George W. Bush made the gaffe of all gaffes uh, speaking about the war, well, trying to speak about the war in Ukraine
1: yesterday. He had a
0: little bit of a slip up.
1: In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Seventy-five.
0: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you you can't help but have a kind of affection because there was one man who launched a brutal, unjustified invasion of Iraq. Uh, I mean, Ukraine, eh, Iraq too. <laughs> oh my gosh! The reason uh, the reason I mention this is not to beat up on George Bush. As I told you, I still have some some affection for him. Uh, it is because this really complicates NATO's argument right now that the. the essential dispute between America, between the West and Russia, but really just America's leading the West and Russia in the war in Ukraine is over NATO. Russia says we don't want NATO to move eastward. America says we need NATO to move eastward because you want to move westward and reconstitute the Soviet Union. And part of America's argument is that NATO is a purely defensive alliance. But that's not true. NATO was involved in Iraq. NATO was involved in the invasion of Libya. That doesn't seem very defensive to me. NATO has undermined its credibility in that way. And, and that's, that's what gives Vladimir Putin an opening. I'm not saying that Vladimir Putin is making totally sincere, honest, you know, innocent as a lamb kind of arguments here. He's not. The guy's a predator. He does want to conquer his neighbors. Our leaders gave him an opening to do that. And so that, that creates a problem. That's the, that's the problem of the experts. That's the problem of the rulers. That's the reason why we don't have a whole lot of trust in them anymore. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Matt Wall Show, Joe Biden goes to Buffalo to exploit the dead for his own political gain. Also, a pro-abortion activist at a congressional hearing claims that men can get pregnant. There are several important clips from that hearing that we'll watch and discuss today. The media is now panicking over a new virus, monkeypox. Should we join them in their hysteria? No, we should not. We'll talk about it. And MSNBC warns that homeschooling is a secret plot to destroy the public education system. They're wrong about that, it's not a secret. In our daily cancellation, a theologian says that it's better for black babies to be aborted than adopted by white families. This is what passes for
1: theology these days. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.